housing crises, floods, wars, earthquakes. The news is a bit depressing lately. Frankly, I would rather look at cat videos sometimes. Hilary Harper here, dumbing myself down on the ABC. Whatever, next. How about you? Is it all feeling a bit much right now? Whether it's just the state of the world or the way our media work, too much bad news can take a toll. Is there a way to do news better? That's on Life Matters Next from Wurundjeri Country. Even the ABC's own Lee Sales has had to take a break from the news in recent times. I just, um, I switched off the news completely and yeah, it was amazing. I realised a few things. The first was how much stuff I was across and knew about that I really didn't need to know about at all and it really wasn't very important at all to, you know, my my everyday life or even just, you know, life in general, to be honest. Um, and then also I, I had been worried about this before I finished at 7.30, but when I went off, I thought about it even more. And I'm just really worried that in this day of 24-7 news and social media that the model of the news itself creates unnecessary anxiety and possibly um, depression and that we it contributes to the mental health uh, crisis that we have in this country. So I've been thinking a lot about that and and a lot about, you know, there's no easy answers to that, but I have been contemplating it a lot. Now, Lee Sales is not a normal person. We know that. She's amazing. So I'd be interested to hear how you cope with the news cycle. How do you find the balance between staying informed about important events and ideas and staying sane? I mean, even with a news consumption, much less than Lee Sales, it can feel a bit overwhelming sometimes. So this is our question for Talkback today. Have you taken a news break for a while like Lee did? And did it change things for you? And have you got solutions for making news consumption more healthy. What would work for you, do you think? With us is one of the ABC's key voices in news, AM presenter Sabra Lane. She also curates The Bright Side, which is a fortnightly newsletter of our more upbeat and hopeful and solutions-focused stories. Sabra, big welcome to you today. Morning. How are you, Hilary? Great, thank you. A bit confusing hearing your voice. I feel like just shutting up and making a cup of tea, (laughs) but no... (laughs) All good. And Dr. Evita March joins us too. She's the Senior Lecturer and Researcher in Cyber Psychology at Federation University Australia. Evita, welcome. Good morning, Hilary. Now, Sabra Lane, you've confessed that you're sometimes a bit of a news avoider too. What tips the scales for you? Well, uh, no, this has been an issue that I've been on to for quite some time. Um, I found some years ago, perhaps it was because I was reporting also politics day in, day out, and also keeping across the news because, you know, I am I am a news junkie. But um, I just found increasingly I was taking myself out of the news cycle and going bushwalking and turning off the phone because it just seemed to be um, a whole heap of the same news, problems, 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 without um, much glimmer of hope. And I know that I'm not alone in this. Mm. There have been um, uh, the Reuters Digital Report regularly reports on um, what's happening in the news world, that there's a lot more, um, you know, online platforms, digital platforms popping up, but it's also been keeping tabs on news avoidance rates. And news avoidance rates here in Australia uh, last year were up to 68%. Uh, That was an 11% point jump in five years. So let's think about that in another way. That's nearly seven in 10 Australians saying that they often, sometimes or occasionally do not watch the news or, you know, avoid watching it. They'll turn it off. They'll not buy a paper. They'll not 
check online what the news is. And I think if that continues, I don't think that bodes well for us as a community or it bodes well for democracy. And I guess that's what really heightened my interest in looking at what can we do differently because we need to keep people engaged with what's happening mm. in the world around them. Well, and Sabra, I mean, you've been making the news, um, curating the news, presenting the news for a long time now. Do you feel like that the, there just is more negative news being produced, negative and extreme and depressing news, or is it that we have become a bit overwhelmed by the nature of news as it's always been? I think uh, there are a couple of components here. I mean, news has always, I mean, I, I take myself back to when I was uh, a wee tacker in university, uh, where we were told that news is um, conflict and anything else is pretty much just advertising um, or that, you know, it's sensational pictures that help tell the news. Um, so you've got a, sort of a negative sort of point of view straight away looking at that news uh, aspect. But I think uh, you look at now the advent of um, online, the online world and smartphones and news following us wherever we go. We're pinged with it when there are updates. Uh, we're pinged when there are major events happening. Uh, and sometimes these stories have little bearing to our day-to-day -day lives and if the media's job is also to mirror the world around them, sometimes I think, are we doing a good job? Yeah. I'm not sure, not sure that we are. So it's a, a, a number of components. I also have had people say that they find that the Australian media is overly negative compared to what you find overseas. I, you know, I, I don't know about that because, I mean, I do consume some news overseas, but I don't don't consume the lot. But if you even think back to beyond, you know, even back to the, the 50s and 60s when newspapers had a whole range of content in their newspapers and people, that would be people's only source of information. They would check in perhaps once a day, but they would see a whole range of information, not just about politics, but, you know, news happening in their neighbourhood. So sort of the flavour of it's changed the intensity and regularity of it, that's changed. And yeah, I, I do worry that the amount of negative news that we consume has an effect on our mental health. It just erodes away at our mental health and it gives us that um, sort of the, the neg negativity bias that we think things are really bad and... Um, perhaps than what they really are. Yeah, I find it really interesting on the weekends when I get the paper delivered that it's really calming. You know, I'm reading the same news, but it's, as you say, it's patchworked in with other things and it's it's a different experience than just scrolling, you know, relentlessly through different platforms to find news across different uh, outlets. We're speaking with Sabra Lane, who's the presenter of AM. You too might be finding it confusing hearing this beautiful voice in a different context. Some text messages, so overwhelming, says one. Thank goodness for ABC Classic and ABC see jazz 
happy to provide. And another Mm -hmm. says, I stopped listening to the news for 10 years when I had small children. I found it made me feel scared about the world I was helping them integrate Mm -hmm. into. And it also triggered my mental health issues. Having more positive stories would definitely help create a more balanced view. Just before we go to Penelope in Alexandria, Dr. Evita March, uh, are we drawn to bad news? I mean, is this something that's just being delivered to us because newsmakers have been raised like Sabra was to think news is conflict, if it bleeds, it leads, it's the narrative arc that works, or, or is it something that we really like? I think a really important way to start this conversation, and it is a tricky area to navigate, is that at its core, information is not a bad thing. We're human, we are curious creatures, we like information and we like collecting information. But we do, particularly in times of crises, have a bit of a bias towards negative information. And by negative, I mean potentially threatening information. And that is purely because it's a survival mechanism. We want to know what the threats are. What could be threatening me? How can I overcome that? How can I get information to survive? So we do have an inherent bias towards potentially threatening information. The difficulty becomes is that that's where our attention goes and attention is a good thing for those providing the news. So where our attention goes, news, th- news will say, well, that's what they want more of. That's what people want. And they capitalise on that negative bias attention. And didn't they do studies where people said, yeah, yeah, we want more good news. That's what really what we want. But then when they actually tracked what they were drawn to, they went for the bad news stories. They did. There was this uh, rather interesting development and this is quite unrelated to Sabra's program. There was a, um, uh, quite a few years ago now, an online Russian news platform who responded to the calls of, we want good news, give us more good news. And they said, okay, here's a day of good news. And they actually found they lost nearly two thirds of their audience during that day. People switched off during just good news. Great. Okay. So maybe it's more a patchwork quilt of news that we need. Let's take this call from Penelope in uh, Alexandria. Hi, Penelope. Hello there. How do you cope? Well, when I'm watching the news, I sort of float above it. You know, that sort of, oh, okay, oh, that's happening, oh, well. Um, and then I take into take it in anything that is good news and I look for things that are happening that are good in the world. Okay, so it's about detaching yourself from the content slightly but also reminding yeah. yourself there are other things. Well, that's right. It's, it's, a, it's only a pastiche and a picture of what might be happening somewhere and it's not happening everywhere so we don't have to get completely blown away by it. And if we let ourselves get blown away, we're going to be more depressed than we ever need to be. So, Penelope, do you go to particular places to find the, the good aspects of the news? No, I simply watch the television and listen to the radio. I don't do anything special. I've, uh, I used, a thousand years ago, I was a journalist. And, um, and I must say that we were taught a bit about bleeding and leading. Um, and I know, I know that the most important thing that we were always taught was sensationalism sells. Yep. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's so, what... so, so something sensational. It's usually not sensational, happy. It's usually sensational, drama, drastic, isn't it? Exactly. Well, that's what creative writing students are taught too, Penelope, isn't it? That's right. You know, yes, conflict exactly. and challenge. That's right. And so you you find out that that sort of thing gets people in. It sort of piques their interest. And also, I have to tell you, if you don't write some other stuff that's more creative and attractive, it makes it easy to be a lazy journalist. Interesting perspective. Penelope, thank you. 
Is there a way to make the news better for us and also palatable? Because as we've heard, we are drawn to the bad news stories and it is important to stay informed. How do we balance those things that are happening in our lives and also make sure that we are safe with our mental and emotional health in what can feel like a a nastier world, even though by objective measures it isn't these days in 2023? Um, Evita, March, what's happening in our brains when we perceive that too many bad things are happening around us? When we perceive that all of these things are happening around us, and actually let's take a step back. If I feel that there could be a threat out there, a potential threat, and then I get that through the news, or let's just say I'm in a high stressful environment and so so much during COVID tailored towards as people turning to the news. If I feel I'm in a stressful environment, my cortisol levels could be heightened. So I'm uh, my body is in a state of activation. I'm feeling anxious. And then the news might give me some information that could relieve some of that anxiety temporarily. So that cortisol might go down briefly, but then it might jump back up. So it's almost as if I get a bit of a reward sensation, perhaps a release of dopamine, the neurotransmitter responsible for reward by getting that initial information. But that'll drop quite quickly. I'm still in a stressful environment. And so my cortisol jumps back up and then I get a bit more news and perhaps I get a bit of relief. And so you see, it becomes this almost vicious cycle of having these ups and downs within our brain where we're feeling quite stressed, heightened cortisol, get temporary relief with information. It's almost a bit of, if you look, um, a mountain effect happening inside our brains of going up and down. Yeah, it's, you sound like you're describing 2021 and 2020 for a lot of people. <laughs> oh, Maybe even 2023 for some. Yep. Time for a new press conference. Oh, let's feel bad again. Um, it's fascinating to see our switchboard light up too, because I think this is something that a lot of people think about, as as we heard earlier in the program that Lee Sales has been contemplating. What do we do about this? And Sabra Lane, presenter of AM2, who's one of our guests today with Dr. Evita March. Rod's called in from Albury. Hi, Rod. You used to be a big consumer of uh, news. What happened? Oh, look, a uh, number of things. Um, I Trust is very, very important in, in all information gathering. And uh, um, I, since Donald Trump and his fake news and, and uh, the, the rubbish that he went on with and then other people, other politicians and others seized on, um, you know, I think trust went out the window and people don't know what's true and what's not. Uh, but I, I also know that um, the reporting in newspapers, as Lee has pointed out, is repetitive. I, I used to buy the newspaper every day, uh, usually the Age or the Sydney Morning Herald and my local paper, the Border Mail. Uh, I don't buy those papers anymore. I buy the Saturday Age uh, and I subscribe or, or read the ABC website news site on, on my phone and I subscribe to the New York Times. And I trust those uh, those uh, outlets to give me honest reporting. Uh, what, I, what I am concerned about with the reporting of news, yes, there's a lot of negative news, but sometimes we need to know that. As long as you know it's honest, then we, we can deal with it. But when, when the reporter themselves takes a, a stand and starts reporting in a biased fashion, as Murdoch's uh, reporters often do, and no doubt, as some reporters for the Age and the City Morning Herald uh, either 
you know, innately take a, a leftist stance or whatever. Um, I think that then the news is can't be considered to be accurate. So, Rod, uh, are, you, are you worried because you're choosing so carefully the outlets you get your news from, are you worried that you might be creating a little bubble perhaps and not getting yeah, enough variety? Absolutely. absolutely, yeah. Algorithms, you know, I mean, that's what it is. You you, you go on the... the, the I, I firmly believe, <laughs> different subject, but I firmly believe that the, uh, the internet is the worst thing that ever happened to humanity. Uh, great for paying your bills quickly, but boy, the algorithms just reinforce, you know, your own BS. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, you know, I don't think we're going to get rid of it any day soon, Rod, but I think you've probably got a few friends out there in that view. Thanks for your call. Brother. Really interesting set of text messages coming in. Uh, one just says the news is so depressing and so repetitive, mostly bad. Another, I'm a news avoider. I do hear it on the radio, but I no longer watch TV or catch up online. And this one's really interesting from Gabrielle in Surrey Hills. The problem's not necessarily that the news is too negative, but it, that it's too often about petty political games that mm. undermines confidence in public life. And Sabra, I know this is something that Hillary, you've contemplated yeah. too. Yeah, I'll just read you the rest of, rest of Gabrielle's text. There are really bad things happening, climate crisis, etc., that there's not enough news about, less political horse race and gotcha, and more about what policies governments are proposing, who they will affect and how, whether those policies are working, etc. News as a means of holding governments to account is essential, but there's much more to it than the 24-hour cycle of press release-driven doorstop, gotcha, etc., says Gabrielle. Sabra, your thoughts on that? Uh, that's really interesting, and it's um, looking at the Digital's Reuter, Reuters report on news avoidance last year. Too much um, coverage of politics of, of politics and coronavirus was nominated by 49% of news avoiders as to why they'd become disengaged with the news. Um, the next big reason was news has a negative effect on my mood, and I feel worn out by the news these days. Um, also, one of the other points is that they people feel that news is untrustworthy or biased or that they feel that there's nothing that they can do with the information or that it leads to arguments that people would rather avoid. Um, and so that is, um, you know, they are the, the reasons why people say they avoid the news. Uh, and that's why I guess um, I like to look at... Um, positives coming out of this, the way that uh, we can be more constructive with how we approach the news. We are seeing um, historically high and growing numbers of people who are fatigued by the news, and it means that we do have to do news differently. Um, it, it perhaps, uh, you know, a better balance of the stories that we're doing. It doesn't mean that we at the ABC drop hard investigative journalism or accountability accountability journalism because that is the absolute backbone of what we do but it means being perhaps constructive in how we approach stories for example um, you know and reporting on what communities are doing to overcome problems that's one of the things that was getting me down constantly was I felt that year after year we report the same stories and it could almost be exactly the same story, you know, with just the date change that we seem to reporting be reporting on the same problems and no solutions. Uh, we've been doing more and more sort of constructive and solutions-focused journalism at the ABC, looking at how communities and individuals are coming up with their own uh, fixes to problems, if you like, 
and I like to think, Hillary, in a way that that is strong accountability journalism because we're pointing out that if communities can do these things, why isn't it happening in other areas? I think that's a, a really good way for looking at um, solutions-focused journalism. Well, and uh, I understand too, Sabra, that you've made some cho- changes to the way you actually kind of frame stories in the way you present them on AM to, to get away from that, this is coming down from on high uh, impression. Yeah, I, I don't, yeah, the getting rid of the voice of God, being more conversational in my approach, uh, looking for the stories that we do do. I, I Not that I have complete editorial responsibility for AM, but I can talk to journalists in their approach if uh, they're doing stories as well as reporting on the problems. I want them to also talk about the solutions. And if that's a really important part of the story, it should be up high. It should be the lead of their intro or they should be, you know, pointing to it in their introduction because I think it's really important that we show that there is progress happening in the world around us. It's not as sensational as, you know, some of the amazing pictures that we run on TV, for example, progress takes time and perhaps that's why it just doesn't get the coverage that it ought to. So that's the approach that I also take in uh, doing my intros. And, you know, I like to, when I do political interviews, I really do put myself in the shoes of the listener and want to know what questions do I really want answered? And that's what I tend to put to the politicians. But Hillary, I was also... Um, I really wanted to get um, information out there to people who've become disengaged. And so that's why I ended up starting that newsletter more than 18 months ago called The Bright Side, putting a spotlight on the solutions-focused journalism that's happening at the ABC. So that does go out to uh, people who subscribe to that newsletter to let them know about things that are happening in Australia or their patch. Um, and I think that's a really, you know, it's a constructive way for us to be able to let people know about uh, the events that are happening in their world that are impactful and are making a difference. Yeah, as we heard before from Penelope, it's lovely to have those moments where you go, that's right, there's progress happening, I can see it in front of me. And you can subscribe to the Bright Side newsletter on the ABC website too. If you search the Bright Side ABC newsletter, it will pop up very easy to subscribe. You're hearing from Sabra Lane, who's your AM presenter on the ABC and curator of the Bright Side, comes out every fortnight. And Dr Evita March too, a senior lecturer and researcher in cyber psychology at Federation University Australia. Let's go to Mark in Yarrapahini, which is north of Kempsey in New South Wales. Mark, welcome to you. What are your thoughts? Yeah, good morning. Yeah, I'm, I'm, it's a small point really, but it's kind of significant. When you're standing too close to a storm in a teacup, it can seem like the end of the world. And, and I find that journos and the news feed generally can, can be too close to their subjects and not have a broad enough big picture of you, you know, the big picture, so important. The big picture, that's a really interesting phrase, Mark, and, and very pertinent. Thank you. Catherine is in Mansfield in uh, northeastern Victoria. Catherine, what are your thoughts on why we're switching off? Yes, well, I feel that uh, 
the um, news, you know, is bad, and obviously it could you could feel that people are turning away because the news is too bad. But actually, my feeling is that people are turning away because, uh, well, Avita was referring to the solutions. The solutions just aren't being implemented, and we can talk about solutions and solutions happening in little pockets. But what about the solutions happening on a scale that actually is going to make a difference? That governments are actually implementing solutions, and we hear um, politicians, you know mouthing these sort of platitudes at us, you know, reassuring us that they've got it all in hand. But year after year, we see that they haven't and that things just keep spiralling downwards. So it's a sense of hopelessness and lack of trust that the other guy referred to, um, that, you know, these terrible things are happening and no one seems to be doing actually doing anything about it in any meaningful way that's going to make a difference to our future. I feel that might be why people are turning away. Yeah, that's really interesting, Catherine, that top-down, the frustration with the top level of things that, that even perhaps seeing the progress in uh, the community level might not uh, might not fix. Kiri's in Melbourne. Hello, Kiri. You, you'd like to see a revolution in news. What would that look like? <laughs> oh, yes, thank you. Um, I would, I mean, I watch a combination of, I mean, this is when I watch the news, ABC or SBS, and it predominantly is very negative and I, I'm all about um, helping people engage in life so as to be nourished but also develop empathy. And I think that if people are overwhelmed by, you know, fear of what's going on around the world, that's going to shut down their empathy. So I think that a, a new way of putting on the news would be to, yeah, show really positive things as well as really challenging things going on around the world, but then bring in debates around what, you know, uh, Vita was talking about, progress, around all the the, the really um, positive ideas uh, of possibilities around change, all amongst, you know, and inside the news, because you can find all of these other positive um, potentials outside of the actual news in current affairs and documentaries and all the rest of it, but in the a- actual news, I'd like to see a real diversity of the types of news bringing, you know, coming in as well as debates around, well, how can we... I move forward. Mm. I was in thinking about that, Kerry, when I was watching footage of the terrible earthquakes in Turkey, and it's so heartrending seeing the suffering over and over again of people there. But I did take heart just slightly from the fact that there were so many volunteers trying so hard to help and you know keep digging, even perhaps when that hope was gone. Just it was nice to see that the. The human spirit can be a lovely thing as well, even in times of crisis. Thanks, Kiri, for that call. Kate in Byron Bay is next. Kate, welcome. Oh, good morning. Uh, I'll be very brief. What I wanted to say was because most people are nice most of the time, when somebody's nasty, uh, that's news. You don't you don't hear somebody say on the radio, oh, a man smiled at me today or a woman smiled at me today. The girl in the shop was very polite. As I walked along the street, people made use, made new room for me and, and even the people that were in a hurry didn't push me over to get past. I mean, these things are just normal, polite human behaviour and most people are nice most of the time. 
That's so true, Kate. Interesting to think back on the reporting around uh, the pandemic in the early months, wasn't it? That, you know, there was lots of footage of people fighting over toilet paper in the aisles, but our day-to-day experience was actually of people leaving a casserole on the front steps. Exactly. Yeah. Thanks for that call, Kate. Christina's in South Gippsland, also in Victoria. Christina, welcome to you. Uh, What are your thoughts on the way news happens? Good morning, Hilary. Um, My thoughts are that sometimes I wish there was a balance in the news. But there's one section of the Word of God that I hold on to. Um, And it says, And the peace of God which passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication and thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known unto God. But then it says, Finally, whatsoever things are true, Whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, and whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. And those things which you've heard and learned and received, do, and the God of peace shall be with you. And I've held on to that a lot, especially of later times when all these dilemmas are happening. So much concentration is put on the bad, whereas we've got to hold on to a balance there. Yes, you hear it, you're concerned about it, but then hand it over to God because you can't control it, you can't fix it. But God can. Well, and Christina, obviously, yeah, there is a wonderful range of ways that people can find their hope and find their perspective in the world. Thanks for sharing yours with us today on Life Matters on ABC RN. I want to read a few texts to you about the ways people are finding the good news or, or kind of leavening the bad news. Felix says there's a Reasons to be Cheerful newsletter by David Byrne. Oh, from Talking Heads. Excellent. The BBC <laughs> World Service has a wonderful show called People Fixing the World amidst all the news. That's from Maria in St Kilda and another says Sabra Lane is one of the few journalists I enjoy listening to this is from Sharon she's balanced and delivers the facts in a calm measured way without sensationalism as a result she allows me to make my own decision about the issue well done Sabra we need more people like you and Sabra I know you say that the the AM is produced by a team as as all our programs here are at the ABC but it's uh, is it nice to see that the changes you're trying to make are uh, being welcomed by some of the listeners? Yes, definitely. Uh, It's great to get feedback. I get feedback too about the Brightside newsletter, people saying that um, they really look forward to the the Thursday morning when it pops into their uh, mailbox. Uh, And it's good to be able to focus on those stories. I know that there was... um, uh, one of our callers said that they need to know what the, what the government is doing, but quite frankly, governments don't. We know that they don't fix everything, and communities do take it upon themselves to come up come up with their own solutions. There are some good examples on the ABC website at the moment, um, Hillary. There's a community in Wood End that is. Uh, getting about making their own dementia respite care centre. They've decided to do it themselves after being faced with 
um, you know, indecision and lack of action by state and federal governments. We've also got the community in Thargaminda in Queensland. Uh, that council there built their own middle school because they couldn't get funding elsewhere to do it. And they built that bec- knowing that if they didn't do that, there were going to be 12 families that moved away from their council area. So they decided to build the school on their own and those families kept their kids there and they kept it as a consequence, that money in town and the town able to function. They're stories that we need to hear about, don't you think? They're powerful community stories. Well, and it's interesting, isn't it? Because even if you read those stories and think, well, I don't think that could happen in my community or it's still frustrating that the government's not doing that, it is lovely to hear, isn't it? At that little spot of uh, hope and, and success. Yes, definitely. And it's they're stories that do give, her, give us hope and inspiration. And by also reporting on those sto- stories, maybe, just maybe, it might prompt other communities to see whether they those projects are also scalable and effective in their own town. So it might be inspiring in another way to help other communities come up with fixes of their own. Mm. Vita March, I want to talk to you briefly about a theme that really emerged on our Facebook page when we asked people, you know, how they manage the news in a healthy way, which was that the pandemic reporting burnt people out, just completely overwhelmed them. Do you think that's changed our relationship with news? It is almost phenomenal, I think, how the pandemic has changed our relationship with the news. And I think that we are now starting to see some of these trends and statistics and people's change and how they receive their information. But I don't think it can be overstated just what impact the pandemic had on this, particularly people getting their news via social media. The shift from this during and after the pandemic has been almost phenomenal to track how we saw people get their news from more, let's say, less traditional forms previous or prior to the pandemic. So less traditional being social media, not getting your news from the radio and television, which I have to say what I'm finding really interesting with a lot of callers is that is how they're getting their news. Most callers have mentioned radio or television now, but There's still nearly 50, I think 52% at last count of Australians who get their news via social media. So what the pandemic did during this time was we had news about the pandemic on the radio, the television, but also saturating social media. And during that time, people just had an onslaught of information. And given it was about the pandemic, it's about it's threatening information. So during that time, people really couldn't turn away from hearing or reading or seeing this. So not only were we hearing in those traditional news forms, it was also all over our social media, not just from news, also just conversations, people's posts about this. So after that, I think people have just felt overwhelmed and exhausted and feeling exhausted from that has led people to turn away from finding news in all of those different sources, which we have seen that shift now. There has been a shift. Less Australians getting their news via social media. That's a really interesting outcome that's come out of the pandemic. Is it a healthier outcome? Is it actually healthier for us to get news from different places than social media? Well, the research would say yes, because there is research and concerning research that people that get their news from social media are more likely to experience anxiety, 
depression, and even symptoms that resemble post-traumatic stress disorder compared to those that get their news from more traditional means. Really interesting. We're speaking with Dr. Evita March, who's a senior lecturer and researcher in cyber psychology at Federation University Australia, and Sabra Lane, presenter of AM and curator of The Bright Side, which is a fortnightly newsletter showcasing positive stories from around the ABC and around the country. And very much welcoming your calls and texts today. They are flooding in. Watch Landline and Gardening Australia, lots of positivity. This one I found really interesting about uh, why people do or don't watch news. Dallas says, at 87, having worked to affect change in the past, I listen to the news to be informed so I can use what resources and energy I still have to support the people and organisations who are doing positive things to affect change. Examples, says Dallas, are supporting the research and actions of the Brotherhood of St Lawrence and the Australian Conservation Foundation and also the School Strikers and the Australian Youth and Climate Coalition and the Aboriginal Seed Mob. Dallas says, being able to help these groups with small donations keeps me positive and hopeful despite the often sad and bad news around us. That's a really interesting approach. A couple of quick calls, I think. Jenny in the Northern Beaches, New South Wales. Jenny, you say you're a media person. What effects does that have? Uh, well, uh, thanks for the program. It's interesting. I taught um, documentary at UTS for many years, so I'm across a lot of media today. I'm semi-retired. Um, so I'm across social media but I'm, I wanted to say a couple of things that, that, that might contribute to the discussion. Say, for instance, I'm listening and I'm working at my desk and I've got ABC Classic on and there's a news break and I, you know, I listen to it. I'm surprised at how much news runs with and starts with rapes and murders and crime. And I wonder whether that's a kind of leftover from the early days of journalism where the junior reporter was sent out to report on crime. And so then I started wondering, who curates this? Who's the curator of the news? I mean, it's different for, say, 7.30 report or Q&A or we know that there's a program called Curator, but whoever's curating the news that's broadcast on the hour, say on the ABC, and I'm speaking specific because that's what I mostly listen to, why do they lead with these stories about rapes, murders and crimes, gangland murders and so on? So when I get so frustrated by that, and, I, and that's on the radio and television news, like last night I switched over to Al Jazeera. And, and that, what, made, what I wanted to say was there's this incredible parochialism in the Australian news bulletins. I'm not talking about the news current affairs programs. I think they're quite different, your program or Geraldine Dugues, where, you know, big issues are discussed in quite a lot of depth with a range of commentators. But the news is really dumbed down and parochial. Mm. And if you switch over to, say, Al Jazeera, you you know, it's really such a broad reportage of international affairs, which is relevant to us. Yeah, and it's really interesting, Jenny, isn't it, to sample the way other countries do things and other perspectives that that, that appear on different platforms. I want to quickly put that, that to you, Sabra Lane, Jenny's point about violence, particularly violence against women. I mean, are there reasons why it's important to keep that in the public eye, even if it's not representative of what's happening to everyone every day? And, uh, well, I mean, we, we are in a d- democracy and part of being in a democracy too is the fact that we have uh, systems of open justice where we've got to report on what is happening in our judicial systems. Um, so it's important, you know, it's it's not like we can't report what's happening before court because 
we wouldn't know then, uh, you know, what is happening in our community. We do need to do that. I'm not going to justify um, or explain why producers run the news the way they do. There are, you know, we do have in uh, all our states and territories news editors who are responsible for the way their programs are run. Um, but, yeah, it's not like we can suddenly censor what is happening in the courts. We need to know what's happening. And especially as you just mentioned there, Hilary, about um, uh, violence happening against women. We have seen in the last couple of years, uh, you know, great reporting happening around the Me Too movement, um, and, and what's been happening here in Australia, the way that, um, you know, we've had some crimes, for example, in Melbourne, where there have been horrific murders that have been reported on and have, have garnered a lot of community attention. You know, we, we need to report on those things. Yes, indeed. I mean, we do have someone who's texted in saying, remember the satirical TV news show Frontline? <laughs> yes, I do. Uh, that formula, you know, it says we like to hate the pedophile, rage at the dodgy businessman, cry with the child with disabilities, cheer on the battler and feel heartwarmed by the little dog who travels a thousand kilometres to be reunited <laughs> with its family. Jody says, unfortunately, this formula is used over and over again. Very true. Um one of the points that uh, came out of this conversation today uh, was how we can do things better. Um, Evita, do you have a perspective about whether um, it's possible to do, you know, because so much of the news happens online now. Can you have clickbait with ethics, you know, draw people to your news <laughs> site, but do it in a responsible way? Clickbait with ethics. That's yeah, uh, a phrase I heard somewhere. I didn't make it up and I'm really fascinated to hear if you can do it. Great question. I mean, look, I'm also, I don't necessarily, it's not my job. I'm not a journalist. I don't want to tell people how to do their job. But here, I guess, are some potential suggestions. I think that it can work both ways. I think that it can be possible to have clickbait with ethics. Um, and particularly in my area of research around social media, we do know that social media news, so news that's delivered via social media sites, does tend to be slightly more dramatic, a bit more focused on emotions. So it is a bit more involved than those more traditional forms. So I guess one suggestion to start is that being conscious of that, perhaps you're delivering it in a very dramatic way. And another thing that is just such an interesting idiosyncratic element of social media is that it's not passive. You're not just receiving the news. You're having the news being constructed not just by those delivering the news but everyone commenting on the news as well. It's such an involved process and it's no wonder it's so overwhelming. You're not just getting the news, you're getting everyone's thoughts on the news and their reactions and their emotions. So I do think that, and this is not at all a recommendation of silencing people online, but there does need to be very serious considerations of moderations, particularly on stories that may be quite impactful and could be harmful to well-being of people reading this. And whether that serious moderation is at some point comments are just turned off, then so be it. We do have a responsibility to take care of people as they are reading and constructing those stories. But I guess the other side to that, and that's just the people delivering the news, 
The other side is people who are digesting it and keeping track of your own well-being as you're, whether you're reading or listening to these stories, however you're getting that information. If you are finding that after you listen to the, the news or after you read it or after you read that story online or clicked that link, you just don't feel good, your mood is worse before that, then that kind of self-monitoring is really important and then putting in strategies to, to monitor that. If it's turning off notifications on your phone about the news, then that's an excellent strategy. I was reading too how there are sometimes generational differences in uh, where people get news and, and how critically they assess their news. There is, and this again, pandemic, but we learned a lot about how people behave from the pandemic. And during the pandemic, really fascinating report on news and misinformation was that there were some generational differences in where people were getting their news. So Gen Z, the, uh, the younger, not too young yet, but definitely the ones coming after the millennials. So Gen Z were the most likely to rely on social media for news about COVID, whereas only about 21% of baby boomers relied on social media for news about COVID, which is really interesting. Well, but yeah, but yeah, the, the, here's the but. I love this. <laughs> I know. There's a caveat. There is a but. Gen Z were actually the best to check the information they were getting. So they're getting a lot of information, but they're also doing a lot of fact-checking, whereas baby boomers were getting less information via social media but less likely to fact-check what they were receiving. That's a very interesting caveat, and I'll leave people to ponder that while we whip through another call or two before we wind up with Sabra Lane and Dr. Evita March today on Life Matters. Trevor has called in from Sydney. Trevor, welcome to you. Now, I understand that you're not a great fan of the way the news happens here. No, no. If the ABC has to run advertisements on radio and TV telling people you can trust the news, it's obvious they don't trust the news. An awful lot of the ABC news, and I listen to it all day and all night, is full of pap that has no relevance to Australia, particularly, for instance, the US footballer who had a heart attack playing football. Why did that get national news on every broadcast of radio and TV for two days? That's an interesting point, Trevor. I, I see, too, that you have a wide range of news consumption. That's interesting. Philip from Annandale in Sydney, I'll be very quick with you, too, if you don't mind. Oh, um, sometimes the news that you don't hear is uh, really the best news that you shouldn't hear. Uh, I spent five months travelling around Europe and at the end of it, my trip, and I had no news whatsoever, uh, at the end of it <clears throat> I discovered that during the Arab-Israeli uh, War in 1973, the Americans were going to uh, intervene, and it would have been World War Three. Uh, that was never ever um, broadcast, so nobody heard about World War Three that didn't happen. And I think we're so much better off not knowing. That's a very interesting point, Philip. Thank you. A quick text: How do I find the Bright Side newsletter? I've tried googling. I just put in ABC the Bright Side newsletter, and it came up. Hello, so that's on the subscribe I, page. I can give you an easy address. Oh yes, www.abc.net.au/slash the Bright Side. It will take you to the ABC subscription page. If you scroll down, bottom right box is the Bright Side. Tick and subscribe.
Excellent. Thank you, ABC News, the Bright Side newsletter. Uh, this is Life Matters, and we have been speaking with Dr. Evita March and Sabra Lane. Sabra, I want to, before we finish up, just ask you, uh, what are your final thoughts on how we have a healthy relationship to news and what's become your ideal balance? Yeah, balance is the key here. As with everything in life, Hillary, balance is a good thing. I try and limit uh, my consumption during the day. Sometimes that's pretty hard given the job I have. But uh, yeah, you need time out away from it. Uh, I like normally when I'm uh, fully able, I've got a broken foot at the moment. I've had had, had so for a little while now. But usually my other go-to is to get out and bushwalk uh, just to get away, get in amongst nature and to take that all in and uh, surround myself with uh, beautiful or inspiring things to help uh, keep me positive about the world around me. I like to do do that, but I also like to have a good balance of what I'm reading. So um, I look forward to uh, constructive media. I also subscribe to other um, constructive uh, newsletters from overseas. So that's also how I keep my mind in check. Yeah, it's it's a constant kind of uh, back and forth, isn't it? Evita March, do you have final thoughts on, on what a good mix is? Good mix. I think um, particularly after the pandemic, and I noticed that my own information on slaughter for the news was getting pretty high. I decided I was going to try and cultivate my own news digestion, which sounds really interesting, but I took an active role in cultivating it in that I turned off notifications. I stopped following news via social media. Now, might not be for everybody, and I know that's certainly not possible with some roles and jobs, but for me, I felt that's it. I need that time, that downtime to switch off because you do. I mean, otherwise, it's just exhausting. It's so much information. Mm. So I decided morning and night, that's when I'm going to get my news. I'm going to get it through sources that I trust because I also know myths and disinformation can be quite high. And now how I cultivate my news is not only will I get it from one source, I'll get it from a few sources and I'll have a bit of a mix. Yeah, cultivating and curating is a great idea. Thank you both so much for your time today. Cyber Lane, great to chat to you. And Dr. Evita March. Sabra is the presenter of AM on the ABC and curator of The Bright Side, which is a fortnightly newsletter. You can find it at abc.net.au slash The Bright Side. Dr. Evita March is a senior lecturer and researcher in cyber psychology at Federation Uni. This is uh, uh, ABCRN. You're on Life Matters. And up next, an empty vessel that's a precious object for life in 500 words. ABCRN helps you understand the world. Find more of our stories on the ABC Listen app.